finishing a series that we started eight weeks ago. Uh, I, a, a few months back, um, probably, yeah, a while back, heard um, a series by Andy Stanley called Starting Point. I was so challenged by some of the thoughts that he had shared that uh, I felt there's, there's certain um, people that could really benefit from that and wanted to share that with our church as well. So we Kingswayified a lot of it. And, uh, uh, but the idea that we, that we um, came to is that everybody's, everybody's had a starting point and everyone's faith, what you believe about God, it started somewhere. And maybe, you know, as, as a kid at Sunday school, maybe it was, um, you know, your parents told you, hey, this is what you believe, and so you believe that. And for some, you kept building on that, and you kept developing that, and through your teen years, you wanted to see what God wanted for your teen years, and through college, you wanted to see what God wanted, you know, in your life through college. And as an adult, you're here, and you're like, well, you know what, my faith is, is continuing to grow, uh, and you, for you, it's not necessarily that you need a new starting point. But for many, what happened is as you grew up, what you believed as a child you got older and then all of a sudden like life happened and you're like, wait a second, you know, what I heard as a kid, you kind of like, you know, you got busy at, at college and you got busy at high school doing life and kind of forgot about this idea of, of studying and saying, well, what do I think about theology and what do I think about God? I don't know. It's what I think about girls, right? It's like, that's all that mattered at that stage. And so maybe that kind of was a side note. Now you're like, you're an adult and you're like, Man, I, I don't know what I believe anymore. And so for the last eight weeks, we wanted to try and give you a chance to think about where you would start if you started as an adult. You know, not, not, not necessarily saying, oh, it's just some of the stories of the Bible, but asking questions as an adult. And those questions aren't questions like, did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? You know, is the flood scientifically possible? Uh, any of those, you know, did Jonah really get swallowed by a whale? Those aren't really the, the, the questions that you need to ask. They're great questions and they're fun to debate, but that's not really what you build, your, build a foundation of faith. And a foundation, we realize, a foundation of faith that doesn't crumble, that can stand. It's based on questions. This idea of having this foundation, these building blocks that are, are based on, on questions. And these questions are, are thoughts like this, like who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Do we have pictures for that? All right. I made this cool wall. This cool wall. Who is Jesus? I want you to see that, that these are the things they say I want to build my life on. You know that, and we talked about that in week one because who you say that Jesus is, matters more than anything else. Uh, and then we talked about the second thought of, you know, are we just mistakers? You know, do we just make a lot of mistakes? Or is it deeper than that? Is there something broken on the inside of us? Then we, uh, then we talked about rules and, you know, do the rules, why all the rules in Christianity and, and in faith in general? Do they, do they um, you know, if we keep the rules, do we get in good with God's family? Or is it the other way around, that because we're part of God's family, that he's placed rules just like we would at home? Um, and then we talked about um, this idea of Christianity, is it just a fairy tale? Where did it start? Is it just some story? We talked about how God waded in and talked to a man named Abraham and from the very beginning, beginning said, by trusting God, that's the way to right relationship with God. Simply trusting him leads to right relationship with him. And then in, the ne the, in, in our sixth, sixth session, we talked about uh, the, 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 the idea of this one, what can wash away my sin? It's a big one, right? Because we kind of figure out how, you know, the stuff we didn't like about our past as we get older, we find ways to do it differently. And, you know, going forward, we're going to be better people. We still got it behind us somewhere. And how do we deal with it? What can wash it away? And uh, we talked about that. And then last week, we just talked about the whole idea. Is any of this belief stuff, like, what, isn't it, like, is all of it just like, uh, if you believe, then it's true. If you believe in something, then it, then it happens. 
Um, and, oh, sorry, I missed one. Behavior or grace, right, that one. Uh, that idea of does God look at us based on our behavior or is it he's looking at us based on his, his amazing grace? And then with last week's, you know, is this whole belief stuff just, oh, you know, it's just some people are scared of dying, so they got to come up with something. So they sit in church on Sunday mornings and hope that, you know, if there's an afterlife, they're going to be good. You know, is that all that it's about? And if they believe, you know, that cats rule the world or cats are better than dogs, if enough people believe that, well, then it's true. And we, we tore that all down and we asked this question, what happened to the people who believed at one point that Jesus was the Messiah and then when he died, they said, no, nah, he's not. He couldn't be who he was. But then something, an event, not some, something they believed, an event happened that changed those people and then uh, caused the church to be born and caused the, this, this whole thing to happen. So we talked about all that. We're not going to go through all of it again. I would encourage you to listen to the series because it's, it's a bunch of blocks that build one thought. If you take one of them all by itself, you're missing a whole lot uh, of, of the parts. So I encourage you to listen to those. You can find them online. But one last thought I wanted to share with you this morning. One, one last thing to consider uh, as, uh, as we think about, you know, embracing a, a faith in Jesus Christ, embrace, embracing this uh, relationship with him uh, is this. So if you turn to uh, Matthew chapter 16, so it's kind of if you open your Bible to the middle and go to the right where the red letters start, it's, it's there. Yes, some of you are like, I'll just trust whatever you say. That's not a good thing. You know, you want to you know that you know. So, uh, and, and that's what this is all about. But turn to um, Matthew chapter 16. You're like, well, it'll be on the screen. Verse 24. No, verse 13. Thank you. <laughs> Said this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And you think, you know, if we read too fast and read through the Bible, we just like, oh, we'll just go right on past that. But I just want to just uh, leave you with this thought um, this, this morning. Caesarea Philippi, some of you, you just read right past that. You don't think about that. I want you just to picture for a second. I want you to use your imagination this morning. Picture Jesus in this place called Caesarea Philippi. We have a picture of it. This is uh, modern-day Caesarea Philippi. And uh, it's about 170 kilometers away from Jerusalem. And it's about 35 kilometers away from where Jesus last was. He had never gone to this area before and he never went to it again. But on this occasion, he took his disciples 35 kilometers away from where they were to this place called Caesarea Philippi and they were just wandering and, uh, or walking through. And, uh, you know, this, this place, it's a pretty interesting place. If you look at, at this rock, you think, wow, it's just a rock. But 2,000 years ago, this was the place. If you had a God and everybody did, this, is, this was significant. This rock, they called it the rock of the gods. Uh, and every, every um, you know, uh, religion there, uh, they, they would um, hang out in this place. This cave is uh, onto the, to the right there. It's actually where the water would flow out of this cave. And they thought that that cave was literally the gates to Hades. That's what it was called, the gates of Hades. They thought if uh, people go in there, they don't come out. That's where they end up. And that's... Uh, now the water runs from a different place, but that water feeds the Jordan River. And so for, for um, the Israelites and for all kinds of others, this was, an important, this was kind of an important place. But um, no Jewish people went here because the guys who got there first with their weird, strange gods had taken over the place. They built all kinds of temples in that area. You can see some of the, the little niches in the, in, the, um, in the rocks still now, but uh, in that kind of that shaped place. That's where they had set up these things for their gods. But they had these temples. And we have a picture of that. Um, these temples that, were, that used to be there. And uh, that's where they'd all come to worship. And it was this really pagan uh, place of, of worship that, you know, no good Jewish person went. But Jesus is walking along there. 
And as, as he does, you know, this place was Caesarea Philippi was named after Caesar Augustus. And Caesar Augustus, he was, um, he was a guy that they referred to as the son of a god because his dad, his adopted dad, he was so great in Roman culture that they thought he was a god. So they, they deified him, Julius Caesar. And so they would call this Caesar Augustus, he's the son of a god. And so, you know, you think maybe as they're walking along there, they're chatting, they're like, you know, this place is named after a son of a God. And so then Jesus says to his disciples, yeah, you know, that's interesting. That, that, that's who he was. But hey, who do, who do people say that I am? He asked them this question right kind of outside this place. And, and here's the answer. In verse 14, well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them this question, which I believe is the challenge for every one of us is this, who do you say that I am? That's good that they think that. They think whatever they think. But who do you say that I am? And he said to, uh, to his followers that. And Simon Peter, right away, of course it's Simon Peter. Uh, he's, uh, he's a pretty lippy guy. He says, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And we had talked about this. There was glimpses in this time where they were following Jesus that they kind of had this idea of who he was. And like, yeah, Jesus, you're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. You're not a son of a dead God. You're the son of the living God. That's who you are. And, uh, you know, we talk sometimes about hearing God's voice. Jesus says something interesting to, to Peter. He says, Jesus replied, You're blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. He's like, Peter, you just heard God. You just heard God's voice. He just revealed this to you. And he says to him, Now I say that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And it's an interesting statement, and there's multiple sermons in here, and if you've been around church long enough, you've probably heard lots of them. For instance, one of them would be the idea of this rock. You know, Peter's the rock is what our Catholic friends believe. Um, some of our other side, we, we'd say, no, it's the revelation of Jesus. That's the rock. And now there's still others that said he was in this area where there was this rock. He says, literally, I'm going to build my church on this rock where there's all this paganism. My church is going to be built here and it's going to um, it's going to affect the most evil places and like well we could talk about that but that's not the message for today what I want to talk about is this one thought that Jesus said regardless of all of that he said something he said I'm going to build my church I'm going to build my church and for us you know if you've been around here long enough you don't think this way but for most people when they hear the words build my church they think of a building they think of bricks and mortar because it's kind of like using that terminology but when Matthew was writing this Matthew wrote this in Greek because Greek was the language that everybody read and spread uh, in, in that time. But Jesus would have been speaking in Aramaic. So he would have said this to them. I don't speak Aramaic, but it would have sounded in it like Aramaic, right? So he would have said, I'm going to build my church. And Matthew wrote this word, I'm going to build my church. And he used this little Greek word. It wasn't religious. It was this little Greek word called ekklesia, which um, simply means gathering or congregation. I'm going to build my gathering, or I'm going to grow my gathering, or grow my congregation. Congregation even sounds a little bit religious. But it, he was just saying, I'm just going to grow this gathering. I'm going to build my gathering. I'm not going to build a church. I'm going to build another temple here. I'm going to build, I'm going to build my gathering. So instead of saying, you know, I'm going to build my church, he's saying, I'm going to grow my gathering. And nothing's going to stop that. Not even the gates of hell. Not even the gates of Hades. And they're like thinking, uh, you know, Jesus took them to this place to share this truth with them, saying, I'm going to build my church. I'll make a promise of it. Nothing's going to stop that. So now let's fast forward. Fast forward a few months. He had told them what he was going to do. And then so they decided they're going to travel all the way back to Jerusalem. Well, Jesus decided it. And Peter's like, don't go to Jerusalem, Jesus. They don't like you there. Let's stay here where people like us. And he's like, no, I got to go to Jerusalem. So they go to Jerusalem, but they're in their minds they're, they're living out this thought of what Peter had said. You're the Messiah. And Jesus said, yep, I am. 
And they're like, oh, the Savior, finally, the one who's going to set us free from Rome, he's here. He's, it, I, we knew it was you, Jesus. We, we just waiting for you to tell us. And so they're going back to Jerusalem, and now they're on a high because they thought maybe last time they were in Jerusalem that he was the guy, but now they know he's the guy. And so they go back to Jerusalem, and they're on this high, and as they get um, to Jerusalem, they go, they go in, and it's the week that we're celebrating right now. It's the week they arrive in Jerusalem, uh, the, the, what we call Holy Week. And then they're like pumped. And yet, except that the problem is that at the end of the week, Jesus dies. So they come in, they're high, and they leave because he died. And they're like, wait a second. And we talked about this last week, that all of a sudden the dream was over. For his closest followers, they're like, this, this doesn't add up. You, you were supposed to, you were, the, you were the Messiah, and now you're dead. And you ask Peter a couple days after Jesus died, hey, Peter, you still believe he's going to grow his gathering? You still believe he's going to build his church? And Peter would be like, I thought he was, but well, no, no, it's not going to happen anymore. Look, he's dead. And, and, and I, I don't even know what I think anymore. Let's just go hide so nobody kills us. That, that's, what, that's what his thought would have been. Now fast forward a few more days because Jesus had said, I'm going to build my church. And they thought, I, I don't know. Matthew chapter 28, if you flip over a few pages, Jesus, he rises from the dead. We know the story. Um, and we're celebrating it, you know, ne uh, next week and, and throughout this week. But it says this, Jesus came in verse um, 18. Jesus came and he told his disciples, I I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Just think about that for a second. Jesus comes up and says, I've been given all authority. Not just here, not just on earth. It'd be like, I don't even know how to describe it. Stephen Harper kind of has all authority in Canada, unless, you know, the opposing parties or whatever. But he's got a call. Obama's got authority over, you know, the, the, the states. He doesn't have authority over Canada. He doesn't have authority over the rest of the world. And that kind of gets, you know, seen. Everybody stands up for their own thing. But Jesus listens. Listen, I've got all authority over everything. Everything on, in heaven and everything on earth. I can do whatever I want to do. And they're like, that's pretty brash. I mean, anybody comes in, if I said that, you guys would be like, that's it. This guy's off the deep end. We're leaving. We're going to church next door, right? You'd be like, this guy does not know what he's talking about. But you picture, see, we don't picture it. But think about these guys. They're sitting there and they're, they're looking at Jesus. They're like, he just made this statement. Like, he has all authority. And they're like, well, he did predict that he was going to die. And he predicted his resurrection. And he pulled it off. Okay, whatever you say, I'm going to believe. Who does that? And so they're like, okay, he's all authority. And so, so now that I have all authority and we are all, all in agreement, he says, here's what I'm going to do with all authority. Here's what I'm going to do with all the authority I have. And he says in the, in the next verse in 19, he says, so therefore you guys go. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Since I have all authority and do what I want, I'm telling you guys to go. And they're like, well, how are we going to get there? And he's like, just don't, just don't worry, I'm not done. He's like, so go into all nations. He's like, Peter's like, what's a nation? And he's like, don't, uh, don't worry. We're, all I want you to do is go. Just go and wherever you're going, baptize people, um, make followers, make disciples, and baptize them in the name of the Father. Go and build the church. Go and grow the gathering. And then he says in verse 20, he says, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And then he left just took off. And they're like, what? And so you read that, and you're like, Where, where's the rest of the story? And it goes right to the next story, which is in Mark. But there's a guy named Luke who said, you know what? These guys, they share some of their stuff, but he says, I want to give you an accurate account of everything that happened. So 
Luke actually helps fill in some of the details that Matthew didn't write about. And here's some of the details that he tells us in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 1, in verse uh, 3 through 8, he, he tells this story. He says, you know, that they, saw in, uh, in, um, that they saw Jesus not just once, but many times after he was raised from the dead. In the next 40 days, they saw him a whole bunch of times, and he did stuff to prove that he was alive. Because some of them even saw him, they were still doubting. They're like, what? can't believe it. He's alive. And, and, and he just proved over and over that he was. And then he told them one time, he was sitting having dinner with them. He said, hey guys, I just want to tell you, you know, I want you to go into all the world, but don't leave Jerusalem. Don't leave here until you receive the promise. Don't go anywhere until you have the gift. And then Peter's like, so Jesus, is this the time that we're supposed to like take over the Roman Empire? Like, is this the time that you're going to restore your kingdom? Like, the, you, you had us the first time. We were coming into Jerusalem. We're going to take over Rome. And then you died. But now you're back alive. And so now you have even more powers. Let's, let's go do this now. And he says, Peter, you keep thinking in human terms. Don't miss that. You keep thinking in human terms. You're not thinking um, the, about, about what this is really all about. This is so much bigger than Rome. He says, you know, it's not for me to decide all of those kind of times about this right now. But he says in verse 8, he says, don't miss this. You are going to receive power. You're going to receive the ability. You're going to receive the, the power to, um, to go everywhere and be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the world. And they're all probably thinking, yeah, sweet, we're going to go. We are going to go. Jesus and us, you know. I'm never, I'll, I'll be with you always. And they're thinking, this is awesome. And they're going to go. And then in verse 9, it says that Jesus left. And all of a sudden, they're like, what? We're, we're going to go? And they're like, okay, we're supposed to wait. Wait for the promise. Well, that promise was Holy Spirit. And we read through Acts that his Holy Spirit came the very spirit of Jesus, these mere men now have the spirit of Jesus living on the inside of them. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lived in, lives inside these men. And from that, they realized, wait, now I get it. We always have him with us because the spirit doesn't leave when they sleep, when they eat in the bathroom. They're, he's always with them. Same with us. He says, you know, as Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us, I'll be with you always. So then they got it. And it was like immediately they went out into the streets and they started preaching. They didn't tell stories that Jesus told. We talked about this last week. They started saying, listen, there was a man that you killed, but God raised him from the dead. We've seen him. This is legit. Now you guys say you're sorry. And they went and just shared that message over and over and over again. And people were like buying into that over and over and over again in and around Jerusalem. And, and, the, and the church, the ecclesia, the gathering was born. What Jesus had said to them earlier on, it actually started right here, and it happened. Now fast forward two years, because two years later, they hadn't gone very far. They were still all around Jerusalem. Some had gone a couple hundred miles away because they were running from the persecution, but they did the, the gathering hadn't gone very far, and the good news was still all around Jerusalem. And, and I don't know how this actually happened, but I just want you to use your imagination with me, because it might have been something like this, that up in heaven, God's looking down at, at the planet and saying, hmm, you know, this gathering that we, we talked about, Jesus, this movement, it's not going anywhere. You know, there's something, like all the boys are staying in, in Jerusalem. And, uh, you know, they just, instead of going to all the world, they're just hanging out there instead. They were popular kind of there. They, they, were, they were, lots of people were listening to them there. And, and then God's like, you know what? We got to mix this up a bit. And he sees Saul of Tarsus and he says, let's go recruit him. And Jesus is like, Saul of Tarsus? Like, that guy's like, he's like a human wrecking ball. He's destroying everything. He came in like a wrecking ball. Uh, that's for you teens, right? So he, uh, he goes in there. He's destroying everything. And, and uh, he's like, you want us to recruit him? 
And he's like, we want him. So Jesus says, fine, I'll go recruit him. Goes and meets him on the road to Damascus. You read the story, the account in Acts chapter 9. It's amazing. He goes in and um, he, he meets, um, he, Jesus meets Paul. Paul meets Jesus. His life becomes completely changed. And now Paul starts going out and preaching the good news immediately to people that Jesus was raised from the dead and he knows it. And then Paul goes after a couple of years and he goes and meets with all the other disciples and he gets there uh, and uh, he realizes that they're all still in Jerusalem. So he says, guys, we, this, this message is for more. He throws a map up on the wall. That's made up too. But he throws a map up on the wall and he says to, the, to them, he says, okay, guys, this message, it's for the whole world. It's not just for us. It's for everyone. So he says, I got a plan. You guys, you guys take Jerusalem right here and I'm going to take everything else. A- a- and he did. These lines, that's where he went. He started traveling for the next 30 years. He gave his life to travel from, from city to city, from country to country. 16 and a half thousand kilometers he traveled by foot, by donkey, by boat, any way he could to spread this good news. He wrote letters to these new churches and he would put them in the hands of faithful people and say, take this to the church in Ephesus. Take this to the church in Corinth. They need to hear. And, and, and this gathering, the church, it began to grow and it began to spread up all over. Now fast forward 20 years to the, Paul's last day on the planet. He lived out his life, the last 30 years of his life for this. And I want you to, now, now it's, I, I need you to, like, I hope you had strong coffee this morning because I kind of need you to use your imagination on steroids for a little bit here. But this thought, picture this, Paul in his last day, he, we don't exactly know uh, what day that was or how he died, but we know that from, from church history and historians that they, they put the time of his death that he was martyred in Rome Shortly after Nero burned his own city and blamed it on the Christians, um, close to the time that Peter was also martyred, there's Paul. He's an elderly gentleman. He's in his 60s, sitting in a prison cell. You know, if we could, if we could just see and picture that, Paul sitting in a prison cell wondering, did it work? Will the gathering survive? Or will it get put to death like they've done to so many of my friends? Will it get put to death like they're about to do to me? As Paul's kind of, you know, sitting there waiting and the Praetorian comes down and takes him out of his cell and is walking him to his, to his execution. What if we could go there? What if you, what if I could go there and say, Paul, Paul, I just got to tell you, I'm from the future, but I got to tell you something. It worked. It worked. The Roman Empire, as you're walking along these streets, look around, you see the whole Roman Empire. That is gone. Nobody even cares about the Roman Empire anymore. It's long gone. But guess what? The ecclesia, the gathering, still here. It's still here. It's not only here, Paul, but it's in every nation of the world. Nero's Circus, this place where this, Nero built this place for the execution uh, uh, of, of people by sport. Paul would have probably been executed in this building as he's getting to that building saying, Paul, I know you see this spot and you see it as a place of death, but I want you to just realize that someday, someday they're going to build a building on this site in the honor of your friend Peter. It'll be one of the biggest gathering places of worship in the world. And it's, it's to honor um, your friend Peter. And it's built right here. This will all be gone. Paul, there's going to be a famous Colosseum built in a couple of years but that Colosseum where they were, you know, having slaves and, and, and Christians killed for sport. He says that, that Colosseum, it'll be in ruins. It's no longer, it's just ruins now. And there's actually, Paul, there's a cross in that Colosseum 
because it's been dedicated to the martyrs like yourself who've given their lives for Jesus Christ. And Paul, actually, there's crosses everywhere now. There's crosses all over the world. And those crosses, they're not representing Rome. Those crosses don't represent even crucifixion, but they represent one crucifixion. The one crucifixion of a man named Jesus who you met and who you've given your life for. Paul, I want to tell you something. It worked. Your letters, Paul, that you wrote and hoped would just make it to that church that you had planted, those letters have been translated into 2,800 languages. 2,800 languages, and they're all over the world. There are gatherings of followers of Jesus all over the world reading your letters today. In March 2015, Paul, this gathering, they survived the persecution that you're facing right now. They survive all the persecution that comes after this. They survive persecution from without, but even more dangerous, they survive the persecution from within where men try to take over and make this thing all about men and not about Jesus. They survive. And a couple last thoughts for you, Paul. Caesar Augustus, this famous guy in your time, his name's mentioned every single year in Canada once. It's footnote in the birth story of Jesus. That's the only time you hear about him and and, and Paul, people don't ask to see where Nero was buried. But you know what they do ask to see? They want to see the cell where you were last there. Paul, your name and your cause and, and this church of Jesus Christ, it's become worldwide. And here's one last thought for you, Paul. 2015, Peter, uh, p- parents are going to name their children Peter and Paul. And they're going to name their dogs Nero and Caesar. <laughs> it worked. It worked. Why? Why did it work? Because Jesus promised it would. He said, you know, I'm going to build this on the foundation of my disciples who will love each other and will love the world. I will build this gathering based on the fact that I'm going to fill them with my spirit. My presence will be in and among them. It's more than just a bunch of people getting together on on a morning. My gathering's only going to grow stronger as people try to kill it. So fast forward to today. Fast forward to right now. This day, This Sunday, right now, what does all this mean for for me and what does it mean for you? Because Jesus' invitation to every one of them back then was this, come follow me. And his invitation to you and to me is the same, come follow me. And what does that mean? 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul wrote to this church in Corinth, this little gathering, the ecclesia of people there. And he says, listen, as God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. He says, it's a gift. It's a gift of his kindness, but don't ignore it. For God says, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. For those of you here this morning who are looking to start, you're like, "Ah, I'm not sure about this whole Christianity thing. I don't really know. Today's the day. Like, I'm kind of waiting for the right time to, you know, just decide if I want to follow. Today's the right time. He says, today is the day of salvation. Don't wait for the right time. The right time is now. I don't know if I got it all figured out. Guess what? He'll help you along the way. If you can trust him, he'll bring you into right relationship. And when you're in right relationship with him, you do life with him. When you do life with him, it affects your days, your relationships, and everything. Today's the day to start. But even more challenging is for those of you who are here and you've kind of walked away, where Jesus doesn't affect your real life. You're here. You think you're good. You think everybody kind of thinks that you're good because... You're here. Enough that you don't get calls from me. But not I, but Paul would have said, beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. Thinking that it's just kind of this, this thing of where, you know, it's kind of whatever. 
a part of my weekend, but not actually involving and engaging my life. That when my decisions are like, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Paul had said to this church in the chapter before, the old life's gone. There's a new life to live. A new life to live. Today's Palm Sunday. I want to leave you with this, these last few thoughts. As Jesus entered Jerusalem, let's go back. Jesus entered Jerusalem where they were all on a high at the story that we started and the disciples are like, yeah, we are going to take down Rome. And they start grabbing palm branches and they got a donkey and they, they start putting their coats down. And finally, you know, as others see that, they're like, what's going on? And they're like, the king is here. He's here. The Messiah is here. And they start grabbing palm branches. I know it's not a palm branch, but it's going to have to do. And so they, they look at it and they start waving their palm branches. Yeah, you know, here comes the king. He's going to take down Rome. And they get into a frenzy and they, they start following Jesus um, in. The, finally, someone's going to stand up to Rome and we're with you. But the thing is, as they follow Jesus, as they're waving their palm branches, Jesus went right in and they thought he'd go straight to the Roman barracks and he would challenge the Roman officers in Jerusalem and start there. He went right past that and he walked right on to the temple uh, for the first place. And they're like wondering, Jesus, where are you going? Wait, the Romans are they're right back there. Gee, wh- wh- why are you going to the temple? What are you doing there? Gee, okay, we got to go and pray first. And then we're going to go get them. And he goes into the temple and he starts throwing the tables and he starts changing everything. And they're, they're all looking at him like, Jesus, what are you doing? He's like, you guys have missed the point. This was always meant to restore a relationship with God. And, and you've turned it into some business. You've turned it into some, this is not what it's about. It's a house of prayer for all nations. But you, but you guys are missing it. And he starts throwing throwing tables everywhere, and everybody's looking at their palm branches like, we're, with, we're not with this guy, right? Like, you, Jesus, you're supposed to attack the Romans, and you're attacking us. What's going on? They drop their, they drop their palm branches, and they, they walk out, and uh, th- this, this thought is just, it's just crazy, but, you know, they, they were ready to, um, to, to follow Jesus, and yet one week later, quite possibly the same crowds of people were there shouting, couple different words. We know them. Crucify him. Crucify him. We thought he's the one, but he's not. Crucify him. And Jesus said, I'm going to build my gathering. Nothing will stop that. Not my death, not the deaths of others. It's not going to stop that. And Peter, you know, back then in, in, Mar- in Matthew 16, he's like, Jesus, no, you're not going to die. You can't, you can't die. And he's like, Peter, you keep thinking in human terms. This is not about what you think it is. It's bigger than that. Can you just go back there with me? Please don't miss this last thought. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. This is the part that they would have missed. And, and, I, and I don't want you to miss it this morning. It's this in verse 24. It says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, said to his followers, We're back at that place, you know, where we started. He says, If any of you wants to be my follower, if. The invitation is to them and it's to us, if. If you want to be my follower. He says, If you want to be my follower, then take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is there anything worth more than your soul? See, when Jesus came, he said to them, he says it to you this morning. He says, if, if you, if after seeing all of those foundational things, if you see on answering those questions, if you want to be my follower, he didn't say if you want to be my fan. He didn't say if you want to come around and wave a palm branch and be like, yay, Jesus, I'll follow you as long as you do what I want you to do. Jesus, I'm good with you as long as you heal who I prayed about. God, I'm good at following you as long as you keep me, you know, rich. If you meet all my needs, you know, if you start slacking in that area, I don't know, Jesus, I don't know if I want to, I don't know if I want to celebrate you. I'll celebrate you as long as everything's going good for me. He didn't say that. He said, uh, 
Do you want to be my follower? My follower. People who say, Jesus, what do you want me to do? You know, when I'm facing different things, what do you want me to do? He says, I want you to die to yourself. You're like, this, this gets all misconstrued. And people are like, what? If I'm going to say, yes, Jesus, I'm going to follow you, I've got to die? He says, die to this. Die to pride where you don't always have to be right. In your marriage, in your relationship, you say, I'm a follower of Jesus. I don't always have to be right. When you say you die to things, it's like I die to this idea of, of human thinking where it's get, 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 get everything for me. It's all about me, 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 and saying, listen, it, it's, about, it's about others. Instead of me being blessed, how can I bless others? It's this idea of dying to trying to gain the highest that you can find here. How can I become the, you know, the richest? How can I become the most popular? How can I get the most likes on Facebook? How can I just get to the, to the echelon? Because you know what? The thing is, it doesn't work. Jesus is giving you the invitation to leave the lie behind and say, I'll follow truth. To leave the lie that says, you know, if you achieve all of that, you're going to be happy. Because it, it's such a lie. We see people at the top of their game, the most popular people in the world. One Direction guy quit this week. And people are like, in like, what? What happened? How could he? If I was him, you'd have done the same thing. Because you'd have found that at the top of the pinnacle of the, of the world, you'd be empty. And he says, leave the lie behind that pursuing that is that's going to bring you happiness. He says, and come follow me and I'll give you joy. I'll give you strength that carries you through all the stuff. Is it going to be easy, Jesus? No, but nothing that's easy is ever worth it. It won't be easy, but it'll be worth it. I'm telling you, come follow me. The invitation is to you, come be my follower. Don't come just believe something. Don't come sit in a service. Don't come sit in a church. We're not asking you to join a church. He's asking you to come follow him. Come do life with him. Come live with him. And he paid an incredible price to make that available. I'll leave you with this last thought. April Fool's Day is on Wednesday. And for some of you this, this morning, you hear this message, and you're like, I don't know, kind of, this whole thing of trust Jesus, it, it sounds a little bit like childish and foolish. The Bible said that, you know, to those who don't, who, who, who don't understand, it's, it's going to sound foolish, it's going to sound childish, it's going to sound a little bit. But he says, you know what, you take that step of trusting it, you'll find out it's the power of God to save your soul. What would you value your soul at? What would, you, what would you put as the value of your soul if you at the end of your life gained everything that you thought you could gain? What would you trade for your soul? I challenge you to think about that today as you leave me with this last thought by Jim Elliott, a missionary who said this, he, who is no, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. What do you think you have that's so worth it you're not willing to give up? Because he's no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Life life. This whole series has been that. These questions weren't so I had something to talk about. These questions were something that would engage you to say, I got to think about me. I got to think about my soul. I got to think about that. And the invitation today is to you. Today. Today. Would you choose to come follow? Come follow. Come follow. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, thank you that you do what I can't. That you take words and just stir them in the inside of people's hearts. That um, God, you know where every person is and where they've come from in their life and even in this week. I pray that as they wrestle with these thoughts, that uh, you cause it to be so real in their lives that they step out, take that first step of trust, trusting you, that you can wash it all away, that you can deal with it, that you can save, that you can give them life, that you can lead and that you love them and want them and want relationship with them. As we think about what you did for us this week, may each of us take full advantage of the chance we have to have a relationship with you may our world just be so changed as a result. Love you. It's in your name for your glory. I pray. Amen.